Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Easter Sunday. Here we are gathered today, celebrating the sacred event of centuries long past, Jesus' resurrection. We've spent the season of Lent this year reflecting on Jesus' activities the week before his death on the cross. Now we get to Sunday. What exactly happened today to Jesus? Agreement between the Gospels is somewhat imprecise. Perhaps we can get more from the Apostle Paul. What exactly did he see? Here's what Scripture relates to us from Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 10. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. A young boy was sitting quietly on that Easter Sunday morning. He was fidgeting. He wished the minister would not preach quite as long, but he waited patiently. And then after the last hymn was sung, everyone had said their, the final benediction together, this little boy was anxious to go home because he believed that the Easter bunny had arrived and there would be plenty of Easter eggs to find and lots of toys and candy for him. As he walked out, he stopped by the minister and he shook his hand and he said, nice job, Reverend. And the, little, the, the minister looked at the little boy and said, well, thank you. He said, I haven't seen you much. And the little boy said, no, we don't come very often. And then the little boy looked him right in the eyes and said, see you next year, and off he went. <laughs> Easter and Christmas Eve and Mother's Day are the top three when it comes to attendance in churches throughout North America. Those are the big ones. And the reason why they stand out is because of the emotional tug they create for us. It's when the church pulls out all the stops and gets excited and looks its best and ministers wear dresses. 
But what is Easter? What is the mystery of Easter? What is it that we are really celebrating? Why is it that we've come together today? Well, there are some people who firmly believe and agree with the creeds of the early Christian church and would say that Jesus has risen, that he bodily came back, that his body that he had before his death was resuscitated, that he was brought back to actual life. Now, there are other individuals, Christians, who would say, uh, I don't think so. I don't think that actually happened, and it happened that way. Instead, what they offer is they offer the suggestion, instead they offer the suggestion, here we go, that former Catholic priest John Dominic Crossan would offer. He said, I do not think that anyone, anywhere, at any time, brings dead people back to life. Those are the extremes. On one side, you have people that believe that the body of Jesus is literally brought back to life. And there are those who believe the opposite and saying it never happened. So is there a happy middle? How do we resolve this as we have come together to worship, as we have come together on this Easter Sunday? How do we imagine what actually took place on that Easter Sunday? Well, the first person to write about the resurrection of Jesus was a man named Paul, or also known as Saul. And what he says about it from the very beginning is very, very vague. Listen again to part of the scripture that was read to us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, this is what happened. Jesus was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day. That's it. That's all it says. He died, and he was raised. No details are given. No empty tomb. No angels appearing. No people visiting the tomb. All it says is he was dead and he raised from the dead and that's it. But he does go on and say that he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And he was seen by more than 500 people. Then Paul goes on and says that he was seen by James and the other 12. And then Paul adds something quite interesting where he says, I also saw him. But again, notice the vagueness of all of this. He doesn't tell us what they saw. Did they see a body? Many people would surmise and make that assumption. Did they see a spirit? Did they see something other than a physical body? What was it that they saw? Well, a clue to that answer can also be seen in Acts chapter 9, where it talks about Paul. And many people would call this his conversion experience. 
Listen to what it says. As Paul was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice. And the voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul replied, who are you? And the voice replied, I am Jesus. And then the writer of Acts adds a really interesting sentence. He said, the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Now, that's not a lot of help. It almost appears that they saw nothing. They heard something, but they didn't necessarily see anything. So if that is true, then what is it that Paul says he saw? Like the other disciples saw when they saw Jesus. Again, there's a lot of questions that come to, the, to our minds. And then Paul, bless his heart, but the guy just, his mind, either he was incredibly wise or he couldn't keep on track. Because then Paul later on in 1 Corinthians says the following, But I say this, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood is not able to inherit the kingdom of God. That makes it even more muddy. What was it that Paul saw? Did he see a physical body? The text would seem to say no. In fact, the text actually seems to hint at the idea that a physical body is not able to enter into the kingdom of God. For that reason, I choose to believe that whatever happened to Jesus on Easter morning, it was not a resuscitation. That Jesus' body that he had before his death was resuscitated. Then, that leaves me with two options. Options that the text seems to promote. It's fascinating, once you leave Paul, you read the other gospel stories. And again, understand that Paul was written, and about 10 to 20 years later, the first gospel is written. But when you read the gospels, you find four different accounts of what happened on that morning. Thomas Harding said one time that if you were to call these four authors into court and ask them to give sworn testimony to what happened, and you listen to all those testimonies, you would say, I throw the case out. We can't find a clear verdict on this. In fact, at the very end in the Gospel of John, the last Gospel that is written, there's two stories that you'll find there that are fascinating reads about what happened and what people saw when it came to the resurrected Jesus. One of them is on the road to Emmaus. Jesus suddenly appears with two of his followers. He appears before them. 
but they don't know who he is. Now, that doesn't make sense to me. They spent years with this man, and if he appears to them, they, they can't recognize him. The other story tells us that Jesus miraculously appears in this room where his disciples are met. He, it's almost like he comes through walls. Then he's there. And he visits with them, and then he disappears. Again, evidence seems to show that this wasn't a typical physical body that we're used to as human beings. That's why some individuals believe that maybe Paul was right when he said that Jesus appeared in a glorified body. Some individuals who have studied a lot of Paul's writings come to the conclusion that the body, that a glorified body, what it would appear is it would have the basic features of a human body. However, it would be different. Some even said that Paul hints to the possibility that this glorified body does not even have blood in it. And that no one will ever die in this glorified body. There are other individuals who would go, no, I, no, I'm not comfortable with that. Instead, what they believe is that these individuals who claim to have seen Jesus either had a dream, a vision, or some form of apparition that they saw. And it was so real to them that they had no problem telling other people that they saw Jesus. And then those individuals told the story to other people, and those people told the, other, the story to other people, and over a period of time, you have people telling other people that Jesus is alive. Well, here's the beauty of all this. It's still a mystery. If we're really honest, we are not certain what occurred on that Sunday morning. But we do know that it made a difference in people's lives. And it continues to make a difference in people's lives. How? How does it make a difference? Can you not believe in a literal, physical body resurrection of Jesus and it still, this day, have meaning for you? A reason to come together in a faith community and celebrate the life of, and death and resurrection of Jesus. Can we still do that if you don't believe in a literal, physical resurrection of the body? My answer is yes. Because I think the story of the resurrection, no matter what happened, is ultimately wrapped up in one word. Hope. A sense of hope. Jesus' followers, when Jesus died, 
After that Sunday, they had hope. These individuals who had claimed to be Messiah, when they died, all their followers dispersed. When Jesus dies, his followers stay together. Why? Because they had hope that what Jesus stood for, what Jesus taught, what Jesus represented, that could continue on in their lives. Hope. And believe me, I need hope today. In the situation that our world finds us, us, the way we find ourselves right now, we are facing inflation. At a 40%, I mean, over 40 years, we've never had inflation this high. 40 years. Some people say we're maybe even rolling into recession. Where's hope in that? I cannot imagine on this Easter morning what the individuals in Ukraine are experiencing. Where's their hope? Where's the hope of someone who is suffering with depression? Where's hope for a drug addict, an alcoholic, and their family? Where's hope for them? Where's hope for the transgender community when laws are continuing to be passed that are going to have a dramatic impact upon their lives and the lives of their families? Where's the hope for women who are beginning to feel like their rights as a human being are being taken away from them? Where's their hope? If we need hope, it's now. Because many of us feel like our life has been entombed. We feel like we have been placed in a cave and a, and a big rock has been rolled in front of us and we see nothing but misery. Look at the amount of families that are choosing not to bring children into our world because they have no hope. Why would you bring a child into this? And so on this Easter morning, the question I have for you is who's going to roll away the stone? Now, I, when I was preparing this sermon, it was really tempting for me just to say that the Easter message is hope and the stone will be rolled away. And as I was laying in bed one night, I played that idea in my mind and said, that really sounds bad. You can't preach that one, Tony. It's not practical. I mean, it's easy as a minister to stand up here and say, have faith, have hope. But maybe the hope that we have is within ourselves and those around us. Let me explain. A word that I have heard recently again and again from my therapist is self-care. 
growing up a Christian, I was taught that was not appropriate, that I was supposed to consider other people's desires, to be selfless. And so my needs were set aside. Sometimes we set aside our needs to the point that we eventually find ourselves stuck in this cave with a rock rolled over the front of it. We need to learn how to take care of ourselves. And it's just not my advice. I'll share with you one of the things that I think is one of the most unforgotten words of Jesus, where it says, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor. And we stop. But the writer of that gospel did not stop there. The writer says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, it's time we learned how to love ourselves. And if we can love ourselves and take care of ourselves, then we are in the position to help other people roll that stone out of the way where they can come out and see the new possibilities in life. When the environment around them, it looks dark and chaos, they know they're not alone because there's someone else with them. That's where you and I can make a difference on this Easter morning. One minister captured it this way in a beautiful, beautiful words. Reverend Robert Hardy says the following. As I see it, my job on Easter Sunday is not to convince you that the resurrection happened, but to remind you that it happens. The way I look at it, each and every one of us in this room this morning is proof positive of the resurrection. For whom among us doesn't have a story to tell, a very personal story, a story of rebirth, of emerging from the tomb of depression or despair, of emerging from the tomb of pain and trauma? Who among us can't point to a time in our lives when all seemed lost, and then suddenly, hope returned. You, each and every one of you, are witness to your very own resurrections. What other proof do you need? So what happened on that Easter morning? Well, we are not able 
to follow suit with Michael Fox and get in a car and go back into the past. The reality is the truth of Easter is not something that can be discerned through science. It's an experience. It's more than just something that happened once in time. It's something that happens all the time. So I hope, I hope that you will experience new life in this coming year. I hope that as you experience new life, new beginnings, that you will have the courage and the desire to help other people rise out of the darkness in their life and see new possibilities. That's why we're here, folks. That's why we've come together. And I promise you that if you walk out of here and you shake my hand and you say to me, Pastor, I'll see you next year, I'll be thankful you were here anyways. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.